Becky and I were, you can turn me down just a little bit, because I sound like Elvis Presley. I might feel like I'm all shook up up here or something. Helen Keller said, what's worse than being born with no sight is having sight, but no vision. Isn't that amazing? What's worse than being born with no sight is having sight, but no vision. I want God to be the center of our focus and vision. Pat, if you'll please come up here, you and Jason, and set this up for me, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you. God was giving me a verse... This morning, that I couldn't get out of my mind, and I'm just going to start off our service because they think it's positive. Luke 6:38. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, you're going to go back to Luke's Luke 6. 38. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. I love that song. You know, a lot of times I'll drive down the road and I just think that because I will tell you, I lose sight. I lose focus. I sometimes forget that God needs to be the center of my life and and vision. You're going to love this message today. This is the message that everyone desires every year that it's preached. And however, it's been a couple years for me, but I figured, you know what? I've never preached it in this context, but it's good. And you're anticipating what God has to give to you this morning. Amen? So I just start off with, it wasn't in my notes, but I leaned over to my wife and I said... Tell me where the text is at for this verse that I'm quoting to you. So I want to read it to you. And it's Luke 6.38. Give. Comma. And there's a long pause. I always love... Uh, When you sing, a lot of times, my twin sister and I, for the years that we've sung, will put in our music commas. That tells her and I rest in music. Because if you have no music and you just have the words, we know that that comma illustrates a pause, a break. So together, her and I can sing in unison. I look at this verse and I think, give. Pause. And it shall be given unto you. Semicolon. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again. Well, this morning I will be preaching from the book of Malachi. And many of you probably know what it is. It's the beginning of the year. And many of you are, you know, saying in your own life, in your own finances, you're discussing 
What is our budget going to be? What are we going to spend this year? Are we going on vacation? What is it going to cost us? Beck, have you and I already sat down and discussed our budget for the year? Yes. Last Sunday, we had a board meeting with our deacons, trustees, and treasurer and their wives. And as we had that meeting, we discussed our budget for the church. And it's always, it's exciting for me because we're not a wealthy church by some pastors that have a budget of $4.5 million a year. You know, I'm blessed that ours is 150000 a year. That, that's a far cry from like the 12000 we had when we first started the church. Isn't that amazing? So we've seen growth. God is blessed. So to me, we're wealthy. And God's blessing. But we're wealthy because you're giving and God's blessing. That's what's great. This is our church together. And I like there, as I said, Tracy and I are singing, and I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Malachi, but this is in the New Testament. When Tracy and I are singing, we do it in unison. When we tithe, we do it in unison. When we give, we do it in unison. So it just says, give, take a breath. And most of us, every week when we give, we probably take a breath. Here I go. Regretfully, I'm going to give it because it's commanded of me. And I'm obedient to the word of the Lord. Well, sometimes that's what I see. But the New Testament says what? God loves a cheerful giver. You know, preaching on giving is, this is what's, I just have to say, looking out upon uh, here in the congregation, the sanctuary, I'm glad we don't have visitors this morning. Do you know almost every week we have visitors at our church? And, and you're going to go, but you just told us to invite a bunch of people. Well, because you know what keeps people out of the church? Well, that pastor, he's talking about money again. There he goes. Little do they realize I don't get up here and talk about money every week. Matter of fact, I don't think I ever talk about money. I might give a plug here and there, but I don't come to you and say, uh, by the way, this is where our church is at, and we're expecting you to bring up your tithes and offerings by $50 every second. I don't, you know, I don't do that and ask you to do something that's out of your means. That's between you and God. Your giving is between you and God. So then I ask you, it says there, give, pause. Are you giving of your time, of your talent? Are you giving of your tithe? Are you giving monetarily? And so this is a great principle to learn. All year long you say, Pastor, I love when you preach on favor. I love when you preach on the crucifixion. I love when you preach on the resurrection. I love the Spirit of God. I love baptism. Sure you love it. Because it doesn't bother you. But we talk about money and all of a sudden we're squirming in our seats and we're all uncomfortable. We're, we're looking at the people to the left of us, to the right of us and going... Don't talk about money. Do you know what I really believe? I can't. Okay, Lord, I know this isn't in my message, but this is your message. Here's what I truly believe. I believe because it's an individual problem. I really do. And, and I've started off years of messages as being, being the pastor of the church. I want to teach God's principles. 
I have to say, it is cold outside, but because of your giving, we have heat. Because of your giving, we have lighting. Because of your giving, we have these comfortable chairs that God has so graciously provided us, and we get to come in and sit our bums down instead of on this. Hey, I walked in some churches where you did not move one millimeter or the whole pew would go... How fun. Okay, ready? You guys will love this visual. How many of you went to a church that had wooden pews? Come on. We've all been there, right? This is the funny part. This is what always got me. You ready? You know what I'm going to say. So nobody heard the crash, crunch, ripping sound of the pew. I looked down the pew and I'm like, do they really have pads meaning like chair pads on their seats to sit on one day i went through the church and i was looking and as i was walking down i'm like wow we have different colors all throughout the sanctuary and then it hit me there was one and i can still remember this they took a couch cushion ripped off the outer layer and used it to sit on I said, oh, Lord Jesus, this church needs some padded pews. And so our giving is part of your life. Giving to God is part of our life. I love when I hear the words, I'm going to give this Wednesday. We're having a work day at the church. For most of you men and women, you're working. Sometimes we get surprised. I know Ron Sr. and the deacons and trustees will be surprised. But do you know a lot of this stuff goes on? I mean, the lighting for Wednesday night got put up. The curtains get put up. And I love that I can tell the men of this church, the leaders that we have. Here's the vision God gave me. And can you make it work? They're like, whatever, Pastor. Because I want to take his vision. And as he speaks to me, make it our vision in order to reach people. So we look at the scriptures and I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Malachi chapter three, this is the Old Testament. And I do believe that this is the best known text in the book of the Bible. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. It says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove now or prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out, pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, if we focus on verse 10 here, most of you can say, Here he goes again. Money. But I just want to clarify something. One thing about our church and our treasurer who is hearing me out in the foyer area and watching the door, as there's always somebody out there, the finances of New Hope Christian Fellowship are always on the welcome center table every single month. You want to see what we do with the finances of the church? You can go there and look. 
Once a year, we have our annual business meeting as your passed out. So it's right in your fingertips so you can see what we're doing. Because I want to keep you guys up to date on what's happening, where the funds are going, what's going on in your church. And that's the great part about giving. This is your ministry. But I want to ask you a question. If you were to come and you say, I don't like giving. I don't like coming to church. It's uncomfortable. It's something I'm working on, dealing with, whatever. Hopefully by the end of the service today, you'll say, okay, I've grown just a little bit. But how would you feel if you came to the foyer doors and they were locked? And there was no one here but a sign that said this. Due to financial problems, new hope, Christian fellowship is no longer able to operate. Please feel free to attend any of the local churches in our area. Many of you would say this. Wow. Why didn't pastor tell us? Why didn't he share his heart with me? Man, if I would have known we had a need, I would have helped. Wow, I thought our pastor was pretty transparent. I thought he would tell me. Unfortunately, how many with an amen would agree with me would say this would come as a shock? We would because I want to keep you up to date. When we say we're buying a new sound system, that's because people in the congregation have given to that sound system. That's the blessing of what we have. That's part of the worship experience. At New Hope. This morning, I just want all of you to know that in nine and a half years, I've really not preached on this part of the message. But it's something that has really resonated with me, and and I know that I want to explain it to you and express it to you so that you understand the bigger idea, the main concept of this message. Because I believe that tithing and giving is a biblical command, I am very unapologetic about the fact that if you don't give or come close, you will not be nominated for a spot on our leadership team. Really? Let me, let me explain this to you. Not because you are of more or less importance based on your giving patterns, but because your obedience to God's word. Let me, let me tell you why. When we were looking at getting the foyer done, and it's just going to be real raw and open with our church family this morning. I don't want you to get mad. I want you to say, I appreciate what Pastor has to say. When the banker came to me, and this was a couple years ago, And said, you know, Pastor, we have a little bit of a problem. And I said, well, what is that? And here's what she said. Since when do board members, when are they a part of a board and they don't give? I go, I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, well, I have a list of who gives at this church. And I have a list. I asked who the deacons and trustees and treasurers and who people were. 
And we have a little bit of a problem. I don't think people are giving what they're supposed to give. This is their church. But it's funny to me that when I look over some fraternities, sororities, JCs, whatever, if you're on the board, those people are giving. If you're on a board of a bank, you're investing in that bank. Now, I want you to know that at New Hope, if you're going to look over the finances, you need to be a part of that giving part of it. And I, do you all expect that from me as your pastor? I mean, I, I can't imagine, and there was, uh, this is time in the past, there was a board we had, Pastor, you shouldn't know what people give. Sorry, I just spittled. You shouldn't know what people give. I know I shouldn't know. Thanks for telling me you don't give. Because that's, that's exactly the true story. I don't care what you give. God does. So what does it matter? You can know what I give. But in order for the church to move forward, then we have to understand the great responsibility that we have as Christians to give to God what is rightfully His. Some of you saw that at one point I drove a Cadillac Escalade. Somebody came up to me and said, well, it must be nice you get to drive that kind of car. I didn't say anything about your Lincoln Continental. Wait a minute. Why are you worried about what I'm driving and what I'm doing? Be careful who you're judging. See, when you have this verse on give, when you look at bring your tithe, bring your 10%, God said, yes, I understand. And let's just put it out here for everybody to know. This is Old Testament law. Old Testament law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the New Testament. We're under grace, but it does say in the New Testament, given it shall be given unto you. God loves a cheerful giver. Into the bag it goes. No, here's what we should do. When that music starts playing and it's time for giving, we should all be excited saying we're giving to the ministry where people are being reached, souls are being saved, and lives are being changed. That's the privilege of giving. That's part of worship. So I'm going to take this whole message and I'm going to change it from what everybody has heard in the past. But I'm still going to use the word to teach a principle to you. Listen, we have not because we don't give. See, I always say this, and, and I've, I've had the privilege of being a business owner for 20 years. This is our 20th year. And being a business owner and starting a church and looking over the finances, sitting down with a gentleman who was a vice president of a bank named George Nucius, who understands finances, who does a phenomenal job. Do you know what the banker said about him? We have never seen books like this before in our life. We were approved within 24 hours of the time our paperwork was submitted. She said to me, well, once I get all the paperwork, it's going to take probably seven to ten days. It could take up to 30 days before we hear anything. She called me back a day later and said, you're not going to believe this. Listen what happened. They looked at it and said, wow, this is amazing. 
We have a man who loves, as he calls it, to cook the books. (laughs) He'll say, well, pastor, I was cooking the books. I have a question for you. I love that. He knows if we bought a Q-tip in this church and it has an allocation and a number. That's awesome. It, do you understand? It just takes uh, the pressure off of me like you, you can't even imagine. Leslie did a phenomenal job as well. That's what she does in her workplace. So we look at this message. We look at this text. And we make our focus more on the blessing part of it. Now listen, we're now in the book, the 39th book of the Bible. The last book in the Old Testament. It was written by the Hebrew prophet Malachi, whose name in Hebrew means my message, which would seem to be a pretty good name for a prophet. Time-wise, you'll recall the residents of Jerusalem had been taken captive when the Assyrians conquered Israel. Then when the Babylonians conquered Assyria, the Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls and the temple. The temple was completed. And then this letter was written almost 150 years later. Why was it written? This is why. Malachi was confronting the spirit of complacency and indifference that had overcome God's people. The worship that had once been the center of their culture had now become simply a habit. The enthusiasm that they once had for building the temple of God had become a been there, done that kind of attitude. So this morning, for a little bit, I want us to look at the 10th verse of the third chapter of this book, the last book in the Old Testament. And we read it, Malachi 3.10. It says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. I'm going to back up just a little bit. I said all these years of having a business. I've had the great privilege of sitting down with many people. They're saying, uh, Todd, can we consult with you? We want to talk about your business. What did you do differently? What could you have done differently? You know, what has, which I didn't look at myself as successful. I just looked at myself as consistent and continuing to allow God to provide for us. There was one man in our church. He said, when I first met him about seven years ago, he said to me, can we sit down? I want to talk about how you run your business. And I said, well, sure. And so when we sat down, I said, well, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you ready to hear what I have to say? And if you're asking me for my advice, are you ready to practice what I'm telling you? Are you just going to be a hearer? He's like, no, I'm going to practice it. I said, okay, then let's start off like this. Do you tithe? The eyebrow raised. He said, no. I said, okay. Tell me in relationship, how is your business growing? And he said, well, it isn't. I said, okay, that's your first problem. You're robbing God. Now, if God's going to be the blesser, 
And we're going to be the receiver. Shouldn't we be the giver? If we're going to allow him to bless our lives. So here's what he said to me. So what would you do? I said, I want you to take your income, look at it, give 10%. And he goes, so where is that? And so I showed him in the Bible. We went from Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, and I showed him where even back in the beginning of the Old Testament, they brought all of their crop, their fruits and so forth into to the storehouse, into the high priest, so that there was an investment to where you know God was at. That's where their investment came from. And so anyhow, he says, uh, could you do me a favor, Pat? We have a child that's out there in the parking lot. Could you please let George know? Could somebody please check that? I do not want children wandering around the vehicles. It's one of the neighbor kids, and, and I don't need that to be going on while we're at church. Amen? And uh, because everything that you've got in your vehicle could come up missing. We don't need that either. And uh, so anyhow, uh, back to where I was at. So I said to him, I go, okay, it's as simple as this. Where do you want your business to be? He said, I'd like to make a couple million. I said, okay. Then start giving to God. You'll never outgive God. So he said to me, really? Well, how do you, how do, you do that? I said, you... You make, it's between you and God. You want to tithe on your net. You want to tithe on your gross. You want to tithe on a bonus. You want to tithe on whatever you want. You want to just give to him because you say, God, I want to pray right now and I want you to give me a number. And if that's what it is, I'm going to be faithful and do it. And you better be faithful. The old saying, be careful what you pray for. The man's business has grown by leaps and bounds. And he came to me and here's what he said. That was the greatest principle I've ever been taught in my entire life. On how to run a business. So my question is this. If you are struggling financially. And there are things in your life that are struggling. Where are you at in your part with giving? You know I always tell everybody this. Even though we look at it and we talk about tithe. We know the difference. If what you're giving is your time, your talent, your tithe, if you're giving 10% to God, that would be an awful lot of time, wouldn't it? Take just your 40-hour work week. What is 10% of 40? Four, right? Do you devote four hours to God out of a work week? Four committed hours praying, fasting, really just worshiping God. Isn't that a thought? It's provoking. So we go back to Luke. Give. Pause. God loves a cheerful giver. It says in that verse that if we will tithe, that God will open up the windows of heaven that there won't be room enough to take it in. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will not be food in my temple. If you do, what will happen? God will open up the windows of heaven. God wants to open up the windows. He wants to pour out a blessing. Do you know, I say this as a pastor all the time. God, I'm, I'm praying for our congregation today, Father. 
Would you open up the windows of heaven, spill out an anointing and your power, your love. May they fill your spirit today. That's my prayer. Every service. This morning, that was my prayer today. And God says, well, yes, I'll pour out that blessing. But there's something I need to share with you. Todd, how can I pour out my blessing? People are all worried about themselves and not giving. They don't want to give. Because we sit in the pew, we sit on our hands, we do a jig, we, we're like, we fight and wrestle within our spirit. Let's not wrestle within our spirit. Let's yield to the Holy Spirit. Woo! I just, I, I want to run and shout and say, glory, God is good. Now that's an old time revival preaching. I need a hanky. You know, back in the day, my, my grandparents' church, they'd be waving that flag. God is good and you need to give and God will give back. Praise God. And all the little old ladies in the church would stand up and go, Woo! Woo! I thought it was the wave going on. I'm like, Grandma, what's going on here? You're too old to do the wave. See, giving can be exciting. Hey, all I know is what God has taught me. God has taught me that you will be blessed if you're obedient. The fact that the Israelites had not been paying their tithe was only evidence of a much greater problem. And that was there was an obedience or their disobedience in this case. The concept of the tithe goes back to Genesis. The first book in the Bible, when Abraham gave Melchizedek, who was also a priest, 10% of his belongings... As an act of worship to God. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. It is also mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God's people responding to the command of the tithe when they were living in obedience to God's will and commandments. However, when they were living in disobedience, it is often evidenced by the fact that they are not giving to God's work. In fact, God often uses our giving as a spiritual barometer. Because if we are finding it difficult to give something as partly as money, how much more difficult will it be to give important things like our time and our will and our future to God? So then, when we are obedient to God, then He blesses us. And I don't want some of you to think, oh, that's just bribery or blackmail pastors talking about here today. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when... When our children are disobedient, do we rush out immediately to buy them a gift or take them to a special restaurant? I'm so glad that 
You wrote on the living room walls with crayon, honey. You're so precious. Daddy loves you. Thank you for drawing a picture of me. Thank you, honey, for not doing your homework. We love you. Come over here. Let me just kiss your forehead. You're just so precious. Let me buy you something special for being so disobedient. (laughs) No, that happens when they do what we want them to do. We bless our children when they're obedient, when they do what is expected of them. You see, tithing or giving is only a small part of who and what we are as Christians. But it is a part that cannot be ignored. Even it said in 1 Samuel 15, but Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to His voice? See, obedience is far better than sacrifice. Listening to Him is much better than offering the fat of rams. I'm not saying all this to make you feel guilty. I'm not saying all this to say, here's the conviction that you need to start feeling. I'm speaking on this today because it is a wonderful attribute and characteristic and responsibility of all of us as Christian people. God wants us to do that. When we stop feeling guilty about our disobedience... It's not that the action has become all right. It's that our hearts have become hardened. You will be blessed if you are faithful. This goes back to the concept of all we have is coming from God. He has entrusted us with our material possessions to make an impact on the world. And we can choose to do that or choose not to do that. And that is entirely up to us. But if we choose to spend what was meant for the sacred on the secular then God is not going to bless us the concept is laid out in Luke 16 when Jesus said unless you are faithful in small matters you won't be faithful in large ones if you cheat even a little you won't be honest with greater responsibility the Bible also says whoever can be trusted with a very little can also be trusted with a very much if we go back to the Old Testament we discover that when Israel was faithful to God then God blessed him When he could trust them with what they had, then he was willing to trust them with even more. When God's people could not be trusted, then the blessings of God were removed. Think about this. Here's a little illustration for you. If your boss can't trust you, do you think you'll be promoted? If your spouse can't trust you to be faithful with your love and your emotions, do you think the relationship will grow? I truly believe that God blesses us based on our past performance with his blessings. And you see, when we aren't faithful, when we can't be trusted, how do we feel? Not good. You will be blessed if you are honest. When you take something that doesn't belong to you but belongs to somebody else, it is called stealing. When you take what doesn't belong to you but belongs to God, it is called stealing. If we look back in the book of Malachi, God says in verse 8, and you'll see it there, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Should people cheat God? Here's the translation. Yeah, you have cheated me, but you ask, what do you mean? 
When do we ever cheat? You have cheated me on the tithes and offerings. See, it's not just a matter of obedience. It's not just a matter of faithfulness. It's a matter of honesty. Here's some food for thought. Many people who would never take a penny that belonged to somebody else have no problem taking and keeping what rightfully belongs to God. Okay, I will. Thanks for asking me. You wanted me to read it again. Many people who would never take a penny that belonged to somebody else have no problem taking and keeping what rightfully belongs to God. But honestly, it doesn't just have to do with money. We can steal the affection of someone who isn't our spouse. That's called adultery. We can steal somebody's good name. That's called slander. We can steal the honor that's due to God, and that's called idolatry. To take something that doesn't belong to us is a sin by whatever name you call it. And God will not bless us in our sin. So if those are some of the reasons for God to bless you, the next question has to be, how will God bless you? Let's start with the least important blessing, you will be blessed monetarily throughout the scripture and the concept has been taught. If you are faithful to God with your finances, then God will reward you. Do you know the word give? Listen to me closely. The word give is used over 1,100 times in the Bible. And we see the concept again and again and again. Ecclesiastics 11.1 says, Give generously, for your gifts will return to you later. In Proverbs, it says in 11.24, it is possible to give freely and become more wealthy, but those who are stingy will lose everything. We understand the concept, but we don't do it. Let me, let me read a little bit more for you. Luke 19.26, But to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. And Jesus was basically saying the same thing again over in Matthew. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken, taken away. R.G. Letourneau. You guys don't know the name, but you know who he is. He is the man, he was an inventor, and he invented earth movers. Do you all know what an earth mover is? The big pieces of equipment that move all of the dirt and Dump it and all that kind of stuff. Back earlier in his career, as he was doing this, he learned the concept of 10%. And he said, you know what? I'm going to try this. So he gave 10% of his earnings. God gave it back to him. And his business grew and grew and grew and grew and grew till he was a multimillionaire, and he said, Now I'm going to give 90% because I can live on the 10. Now, I love this concept that he said. I thought it was really kind of cool. And I understand, but he had to start small. See, faithfulness, obedience, honesty. God, I'm going to negotiate my giving today. I grabbed my calculator, and this is what you're going to get. Don't negotiate it, just be honest with you and God. Here's what he said. Well, I learned a simple, simple principle. As I took my little shovel, I poured it in. God took his big earth mover and poured out his bucket on me. He said so. I figured I'd take my bigger earth mover bucket, pour it on him, and he kept pouring back on me. See, people, I know of 
several people that have learned and heard the word tithing. Now, giving's in the New Testament. Tithing is a great pattern to learn in the Old Testament. But if it's in the book, it's good enough for me. I'm not just going to sit here and preach on A, B, C, D and not do E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. We're going to do it all. I had a man who, when we first started the church, he goes, don't you, don't you love negotiators? I'm like, well, before this is all over with, he'll probably want me to sign his name in blood. Hey, I'll join your church. I'll be a, I'll be a giver. You will, huh? Yep. Well, that's between you and God. I know, but there's something I need to tell you. Well, what is that? I'll give as long as you never preach on it. Let's shake on it. I don't want your money. I don't want your body. I don't want your time. See the door? Bye-bye now. He's not here any longer. Are you kidding me? I have seen this church go up and down, curves, winds, all kinds of things have taken place in this ministry. You see, Satan isn't a respecter of person. He doesn't want us to teach people the word. That, then the song comes out, all victory, all hail to Lucifer. And that's what he wants. When I brought up last week about Moses and the burning bush and experiencing the power of God, I want you all to know something that's important to me. I want God to be real in my life. I don't want, when I take my piece of pie and I look at what we do, Lord, what am I giving you in here? Are you just getting the outer layer of the crust? Are you getting what is rightfully yours? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Are you truly hearing what I'm saying? You need to start practicing some Christian responsibilities. Don't just come and be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. It's important. I said this before, if I were to preach on adultery or lust, who would feel guilty? If I was to preach on lying or stealing, who would feel guilty? It doesn't apply to me, Pastor. You preach away. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me hear you. Give it to him today. If I was to preach on unforgiveness or who would feel guilty? How about this? And guilt will tie you up in emotional knots. Ask the person who is having an affair how they feel around their spouse as the person who is stealing from the company how they feel around their boss. Ask the person who cheats on their income tax how they feel when a letter arrives from the tax department. So the blessing of obedience is emotional freedom. A clear conscience makes a soft pillow. Listen to what God says in Acts chapter 3. Now turn from your sins and turn to God so you can be cleansed of your sins. Then wonderful times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will send Jesus, your Messiah, to you again. Romans 4, 7 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Have you felt the joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven? And when was the last time you felt wonderful times of refreshment from Almighty God? Which leads us to the last point. And then I'll share this with you and we'll close. You will be blessed spiritually. When we are disobedient to God in whatever area of our life puts up a roadblock between us and Him. 
Your disobedience is simply a big word that describes a little word, and the word is sin. The Bible says in James 4.17, Remember to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not. To him it is a sin. When you are walking as you are supposed to be walking, talking as you are supposed to be talking, and doing as you are supposed to be doing, then you are in fellowship with God. Isn't that wonderful? Living a life that's honorable to him. The doors of communication are open, and you are right where you're supposed to be with God and your Creator. Is that where you are this morning? Are you in a right relationship? The blessing that God has in store for his believers are for those who are obedient in all areas of their life. Listen to this thought. You should give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. Isn't that amazing? You should give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. Rutrow. God's always teaching us such profound lessons. Now I'm going to take you to the latter part. And this is where I have learned This is not prosperity gospel. This is not a gamble. This is not me negotiating. This is my story. I've been very blessed over the 20 years of our business. God has blessed our business. We have seen some hardship in our business. We went through 9-11. Praise God, we made it through that. God pulled us through. A man asked me last week, how's your church doing? Is the tithes and offerings down? Praise the Lord. We've been doing good. God has been blessing. They can always be better, but we're okay. Reality is this. We have to learn a simple concept to being successful. Oh, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, are you? Why are you bellyaching all the time? Why, why do you live in a cesspool of misery? I don't know. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you were in the Word of God? When was the last time you prayed? When was the last time you were in church? We see all over the internet. We see all over the papers. We hear it on the news. Woe is me. And yet, at the very end of it all, after the crying starts and the emotions start flowing... We then do one of these. To God be the glory. That's as fake as it comes. I know that serving God, it hasn't been easy. See these wrinkles on my forehead? See the gray hair? It's in my eyebrows now. It's in my goatee. (laughs) Got to keep it short so people don't think you're as old as you really are. That's called life. That's my Christian life. Even Jesus knew it was difficult. He said, take up my cross and follow me. Now, here's the finale to a wonderful principle of giving. Watch this. Up here, you see my demonstration. This isn't a magic trick. This is a window. And I'm going to teach you a simple little principle. God says, if you will give, I will open up the windows of heaven that there won't be room enough. Thank you. That there won't be room enough for you to receive it. 
So over the years of pastoring, I thought to myself, this is something no one ever teaches. Every pastor that I've ever heard said, give 10%. But he said, you know, wait a minute. But it says that I will open up the windows of heaven so there won't be room enough to receive it. In healing, I have a stomach problem. My wife was having some stomach pain. She said, Todd, I need you to lay hands on me and pray for me. Becky, where's your, is your spirit right with God? Okay, yes, it is. Okay, I want to right now. I'm going to lay my hands on you. We're going to pray. And God took it away. He healed her. It was either that or the hospital. So God had the healing power. People have come to this altar. They've said, we need prayer for finances. We need prayer for healing. Our health is terrible. We need prayer. But in verse 8 it says, but if you give from me, it is a sin. And sin separates our fellowship with God the Father. Do you agree? It says that, that our iniquities separate our fellowship. Okay? So here's a simple principle that I learned a long time ago that I thought I would just kind of visualize and share with you. We have this window here. And many times in my life as I've often thought, Lord, I'm suffering in this area. He goes, sure you're suffering because you're robbing me. You're cheating me. But God, in what area of my life? He said, let me show you. And so I decided to take this. And number one, if he says poor, I always think of a picture. And then when you look inside this picture, it says God. God sent his son. God gives us his attributes. We practice the Beatitudes. and We, we practice our responsibilities. And then inside this, I also put, we, we want his spirit to be real, do we? Amen. So as we give to him, we want to sense his spirit, his Holy Spirit. We want his anointing to be upon our lives, okay? And yet, we also want to, to practice our spiritual gifts. He's anointed us. So he says, first of all, you come to me as little children. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out all of my anointing, all of my blessings upon your life. Go ahead and receive it. Then he puts it back. And he said, you know, I've kind of noticed over the last several several months, you've been suffering in this area. You know, you, you don't have food. Your electric's going to be shut off. Here's some areas in your life that you're suffering. Well, we can look at it like this. I put down here tax return. Because i got to tell you something. There was a time when I should have been giving more. And this is my own story. And I remembered when we went to, to our accountant and our bookkeeper... And she says, Todd, I want to tell you something. You owe $10,000 this year. I what? Yeah, you owe. How's that possible? I don't know, but, you know, I guess if you'd have had some of these deductions and so forth. So my first thought was this. I need to sit down. Am I really giving God what is rightfully His? Do you know I went back to our tax account the following year? She says, you're getting back $7,000. God gave us back every bit that we give. So I saw that and I went, wow, that's amazing. Food. Look at, think of his blessings that he'll pour out upon us. Food, we won't have to starve any longer. How about this? We're blessed with salvation. Isn't that awesome? How about we're blessed with a great church that preaches the word and we can come and worship him openly, freely, and know that the spirit of God is rich. That's awesome. How about this? Good health. Safety. You know, and as I, as I look in this picture, I hear, you know, hearing. 
He gives us sight. He gives us heat in a time where it's cold. He gives us the Bible as a lamp into our feet, a light into our path, security, air conditioning, clothing. He gives to us a vehicle. He gives us comfort. You guys will love this one. He gives us every year monetary bonuses. We all look forward to those, don't we? Because God knows what we need. And so as we are the church, and it's that plate comes by, and you think of it this way. Look at it totally different. Or if you're here on Wednesday night, and we have a box in the back, and you walk by and say, I'm just going to throw this in here. If you take what is yours, and you say, you know, God, I love the 10%. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to invest it into your house, into your kingdom. Then God then says, wait, I think I heard you pray. And he says, oh, hold on a minute. And he starts pouring out all of those blessings in your life. And then last, he said, you know, I've noticed something about your life. You haven't been sitting on your wallet. And it says here, if you'll just give your tithe, if you'll give, then I'll pour out my blessings of money all over your life. What what a simple illustration. But do you know in my life, I had to see it like this. This is my visual to all of you. I want God not to have a door or a window that's closed. I want Him to open up that window. And I want to know, and this is what I've said to Him standing in the sanctuary. I've looked up and said, God, do you see me? Do you see your church? Hi, I'm Todd. I'm just your child. I want you to know part of my worship today is because it should be so much fun to take your check, write it out, and say, God, this is yours. Because I know that what I have for the man who says, Mr. Nuff, you're driving a Cadillac Escalade. It's used. Really? It's not brand new. I can't afford a brand new one. Now I drive a minivan. How do you like that one? But nobody came up to me and says, Oh, Pastor, I noticed you have a little Kia minivan out there. Woo! You know, nobody says that. But they're always willing to judge. Let me tell you, I've received some great blessings that have been poured out from heaven. You have your stories. God has poured out some true blessings into your life. Where are you this morning? Maybe this is a a message on giving and we're getting ready to to move forward. What about if we said in commitment to God, I'm going to give more this year than I've ever given in my life. I'm going to give more. I'm not, you know, people have said to me, Pastor, I know all I come and do is sit in the pew. 90% of life, 90% of just being, is giving. Your body being in the pew. Last week was a wonderful service. Today's been a great service. The Spirit, and can I just tell you, church, your Spirit's sweet this morning. I appreciate that. I don't see anybody out there giving me the sky. Because I know that you understand the simplicity of the principles of God's Word. Listen, I'm not standing up here to say I am perfect. That I do what is expected of me. But I'll tell you right now, this is the best principle in the Word of God. Have you stopped and have you said, Lord, instead of me borrowing, borrowing, borrowing from man, how about, Lord, if I do my part, give to you and you give back? See, are we allowed to hold God accountable? Sure, His Word is true. 
So I said to him, you told me in your word that you'll take care of me. And he has. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to him. Now I'm going to tell you something. Most of you don't know. When people start becoming self-centered instead of God-centered, you'll start noticing some seats in this church. I've run into some people that have come to New Hope Christian Fellowship. And you know what they said to me? Yeah, we're not in church. You're not in church. I don't care if you got tired of my preaching. Go listen to somebody else. It's about God. Go worship God. But when we're self-centered, that's all we think about. Now, here's my last point. Thank you. Thank you for all you give. But are you giving all you can? Let God work on your heart this morning. Let us all stand as the praise team comes. And as they come up, I just want putting everything aside. Maybe you've been dealing with some financial, some some car problems, whatever you've been going through. I just want you to maybe come to God. And listen, church, we're amongst family. We're not just gonna say they're up at the altar because they're not giving. I just thought I'd put that out there because I don't believe that's the case. I'm gonna pray today. I'm gonna pray. That God will continue to increase in my life. If I decreases, He increases, the blessings of God flow. Is that the principle we learned this morning? What was the latter part? He'll open up the windows of heaven. There won't be room enough for you to receive it. How's your room? Is it empty or is it filled and overflowing? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, help all of us to give. Help us to, to contribute. Father, we need you. Oh, God, we need you. Lord, as I, I just stand up here and think of a prayer of communication to you, Lord, please forgive me. When I have sinned against you and not given you what was rightfully yours, God, we talk about worship and we talk about our faithfulness and obedience and our honesty to you, Lord, and we're relying. Lord, it's not about this building. It's not about the what's going on in the building. It's about your church, your people, your congregation. Lord, because of many that have given of their acts of love and worship, Lord, I've seen an anointing on their life. They've come to me and said, I can't believe I just got this check. I can't believe that this took place. I, I can believe it, God, because your word is true. You said there, you'll pour out blessings that we won't be able to receive. I thank you for your peace, contentment, and love. Help all of us to live a life fully devoted and dedicated to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the holiness of your Lord, teach all of us what the 